And we're back into our wee virtual nukes again. Welcome to Scots Radio. I'm Frida Morrison. And the team are here, are shugling about as only they can shugle. Let me introduce them in other glory. In Embra, in this B&B studio, the man that guides us through the waves for his in loose. Come in, Richie Werner. Aye, aye. How are we doing? I'm fine. So, Richie, Hi. are you enjoying the sun? I'm absolutely loving the sun. I mean, it's getting a bit melty hot now. We could do a wee melty drop hot. of rain, like, but aye. I can't really complain, you know. <laughs> and congratulations on your wedding anniversary. Oh, wedding anniversary. Thank you. <laughs> now, if you could gang a while for a holiday, far aye. would you gang? Hot place, bunny place, oh, exotic? That's a great question. I'll tell you somewhere that's never far from my mind, because I used to go there a lot when I was a lot younger, and I really miss is the Orkney Islands. I would love a couple of days, St Margaret's Hope, and then John up to Kirkwall for a bit as well. You know, fabby up there. So that's that's probably it, you know. Right, and speaking about wandering to the exotic places where Dave is back for his wanderings, welcome back, <laughs> Dave Mitchell. Far have you been? Far have well, you been? Well, I, I have been doing on the tweeds, scuttering about with Rod and Reel, kind of, mm. uh, places like Wally's Bank and the Boat Pool and the Orchard mm-hmm. Pool. You kind of... Uh, uh, Oh, you kind of have been to a lot of queer places on earth, deserts and jungles and mountains and coral atolls. But you see, there's a bit down there called the Laird's Cast at Upper McKirsten. It's at the bottom of a big rapid called the Clippers. Mm-hmm. It's got a lovely stream. The one place, it really just, it's just so peaceful and quiet. Mm-hmm. Nature really does touch your soul there. It pierces your heart and gives you good memories. Okay. You know, and as for the day, well, I'm talking about nature books and Mar Lodge and mere salmon fishing. And, salmon and fishing. talking about fishing, you can. Orkney's a grand place for fishing. Oh, Orkney's a bonny, bonny place, Richie. Oh, I've had a lot of good times in Orkney. There's so much to see there. It's a, a, a rich and deep heritage. Right, yeah. Finn Nixon, are you there in Aberdeen? Hello, Finn, I am. How are you doing? Okay, fix your focus today, Finn. Well, I've been speaking to Sandy Bremner, and he's the chair of the River D Trust in Aberdeenshire. So I've been finding out for him fit the trust is and fit issues they're facing at the minute. Lovely. Look forward to that. And that fits into our environmental theme in this episode. And I'm up at Mar Lodge, to the west of the village of Braemar in Aberdeenshire, in the company of ecologist and author Andrew Painton. And we're speaking about his new book, Cad Regeneration, The Rescue of a Wild Land, and wandering in through the special landscape, through the ancient pines, among the stories and the history of that estate. First, music. This is the Project Smoke. This is Woodlands Drive. <laughs> Thank you. 
Project Smoke with Woodlands Drive, lovely piece of music that. Now, Mar Lodge Estate, National Nature Reserve, managed by the National Trust for Scotland, sits in the heart of the Cairngorm Mountains, in the middle of Scotland, to the west of the village of Bremar in Aberdeenshire, with its 30,000 hectares of ancient pine woods, subarctic mountains, rolling bogs and moors. Here you can encounter soaring eagles and roaring stags, and here you can enjoy remoteness with an ancient landscape that provides us with links to our past and a refuge from our present, I quote. But it's also a landscape that has been damaged by conflicts that blight the nature of Scotland and, and continue to divide its people, again I quote. In recent years it has become a place of cooperation and compromise. And that is where I start, amongst the pines at Mar Lodge. I'm with author of a new book called Regeneration, The Rescue of a Wild Land. And the author is Andrew Painting. Andrew, what a great day to be out here. Thank you very much for inviting us. Utnabut, just describe what we're looking at. Absolutely. Well, thanks for coming. Um, we are just on the very edge of the Caledonian Pinewoods of Glencoich here in Mar Lodge Estate. We're overlooking ancient granny pines with young pine trees coming through, young birches. It looks like a wild natural place, and in many ways it is, but actually it's also a human-managed landscape. It's got a very long human history. We're, we're standing just a few metres away from an old sawmill, which was working away in the 18th century. So this is a place that people have lived on and enjoyed for thousands of years. That's what you say in the book. It's, it's not just a, a, a place with stories about the generation and about uh, the natural environment. It's also a place full of stories about people as well. Absolutely. It? We're also just a couple hundred metres away from the punch bowl, um, which is famous for having the Earl of Mar uh, filling the um, naturally occurring bowl of rock with whiskey as he raised the Jacobite standard in for the 15 rebellion. 1715, of course. Only to lose his estate uh, yeah, didn't just go a year later. It, it didn't go very well for him, did it? It didn't, it didn't. So that was John Erskine, wasn't it? Uh, the, the Earl of Mar? Earl of Mar. Earl of Mar. The Earl of Mar. The Braes of Mar. We are standing looking at the Braes of Mar right now. Great landscape. Of course, we're not going to only talk about the people, but the people are very much part of the of the estate, but we're going to talk about the opening words, cooperation and compromise. You can for I'm going with this one, Andrew. 
set the scene. The stories include kings, queens, the Earl of Mar, and the sale of Mar Lodge Estate in 1995. Let's start there with when John Kluge wanted to sell this estate because he offered it to the National Trust of Scotland, but they couldn't afford it at the time. No, they couldn't afford it. I mean, it's a huge area. It's um, uh, about 30,000 hectares, all told. It's a really important landscape. It includes four of Scotland's five highest mountains, thousands of hectares of woodland, rolling bogs and moors. 11 different designations. 11 different designations at the last count. But of course, all of that costs money. And the only way the trust could come to own the land for the benefit of the nation was, was through the coming together of a whole group of different organisations who provided financial backing for the venture. And what's really interesting about Mar Lodge is, is these groups which provided this backing came from quite different backgrounds. There were nature conservation elements. The Heritage Lottery Fund provided a, a substantial amount of money. And there were also sporting interests involved. So it was from these different groups of people coming together to stump up the hard cash so that we can enjoy the place and manage it for nature and for, for the nation that we got the principles of, of the ongoing management of Mar Lodge. So everything got put together and you had to try and balance a sporting shooting estate with conservation. That was an easy task, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> what could possibly go wrong? What I think could you possibly you go wrong? You say that right? in the book. What could, could possibly, possibly go, go wrong? It took a long time for everyone to work out quite how to get along with each other. But one of the things I was really interested in, with in my book was how different people from very different backgrounds and different walks of life, tree-hugging ecologists and tartan tweed-clad sportsmen, uh, how they could work together in, in finding some sort of common ground and finding a way forward that really was for the benefit of everyone. It's very tricky and it's completely imperfect as a science and an art, but I think we're getting there now. And I, I think testimony to that is the hundreds and probably now thousands of hectares of regenerating Caledonian woodlands we have here. Uh, these are naturally regenerating for the first time in over 200 years. Now, you've put a 200-year plan in place, haven't you? Well, well the Trust certainly has. Yeah. I can't take much it's credit not, for not that you myself. Not your plan. No. <laughs> I'm only 31, so <laughs> I, would have been, I would have been precocious of me. But uh, I, I remember having long conversations out here with Dr Adam Watson, the, the well-known Cairngorm scientist. And in fact, the, I think you quote a bit in the book again with Adam being interviewed as he sat under a very ancient old Scottish pine, saying that these, the pine woods are going to disappear in the not-too-distant future unless something's done about it. Yeah, the story of the Highlands, I guess, in many ways, is the story of people, trees, and the things that eat trees. The problem for the woodlands at Mar Lodge for the last couple hundred years has been high densities of red deer, um, which were managed at high densities uh, so that people could enjoy highland sports. Unfortunately, there were enough red deer to stop the Caledonian pines from naturally regenerating, that is, uh, growing new trees. So for 200 years or so, every time a pine popped its head above the heather, it would 
promptly get chomped back down munched, again. Munched. <laughs> munched and they were. Author and ecologist Andrew Painting escorting me through the stories and the ancient pines of Mar Lodge. We'll return to Mar Lodge with Andrew in the second part of this programme. Hold the pictures and the scenery in your mind. Here's some fitting music to help with that special atmosphere. This is Hamish Napier from his Woods album, This is the Shield Tree. Hamish Napier from his Woods album, and that was The Shield Tree. Now, as I said earlier, our Scots radio font of all knowledge, David Mitchell, has been a war on adventures of our kinds, enjoying himself on the river teed fishing. Did you catch anything? Well, you can see that this was a queer luck year. We had a lot of heavy rain and sunshine, and that meant with dirty water yindy. So I just sat in the bank and read a book, because there's no point in thrashing water when it's like that. Mm. And then, as it got clearer as the week went on, I actually had one of the best years I've had in a long time, because we had fewer 10 to 12 pound salmon, and all of them were put back, mm-hmm. we're all catching release down there with spring fish, and I'm fine with that, you know, I have a lot of respect for salmon, and even if I could tuck the audience now, I'm not sure that I would anymore, the last 20 years has taught me that the river has much more valuable things to give you, much greater gifts if you work with its flow mm-hmm. and you go in with its rhythm. Mm-hmm. You can, it, it, it's a place that's full of secrets that send you home with a smile on your face that will last far longer than tucking a fish. 
maybe I'm different for other folk and talking to our boatman this year, Colin Pringle of Kent for years and another friend of his, Ian Wilson. Maybe I'm a bit different, but since I taken my first fish off the orchard 20 years ago, you know, in the days I was talking to folk that saw no four or five in a week. I'm talking mm-hmm. about folk that had 20 fish on the back by lunchtime. Aye. We're not we're no needing that. The reasons we go to the river is very complicated and very different. But for me, it's believe it or not, it's not about catching fish. The nicest thing this year was actually one of the fish I caught, Ian took an awful nice video of me putting it back. And when I'm old and grey, I can watch that moment. You can watch that moment and you can appreciate it. And it's it's something special you'll always, you know, you like, you like was here, David. It is because that that putting it back, it it's like again you had the pleasure in the company of that wonderful creature for a few moments, mm-hmm. and you let it go, and that That's leaves you with a deep feeling inside. Right. I I'm maybe going off on a, a tangent here, but I, I did a fabulous trip, say Glenelg, around to um, the mainland on a canoe in a canoe with a, a great man called Ray Mears. You remember Ray Mears? Oh, I, I, I. He did a lot of uh, the television programs about oh, survival, etc., etc. Oh, and uh, before we went out in the, in the, it was a Canadian open canoe we had, and we just camped a while the way around. We made a program about it for uh, BBC Radio Scotland, and he caught a salmon. You see, on the banks before we started our field thing, and I have never tasted a salmon like it. We cooked it on the open fire, but before he did all that. He reminded us that this was a very special uh, animal, a very special spirit, oh, wow. and he gave up thanks. He said there's a, an old North American uh, Native Indian approach to the whole thing, that they, they give thanks to the spirit of the fish before they cook it. And that was exactly what we did. And You know, it, it just made the ceremony far more meaningful than just sitting doing and, and enjoying the meal. I'll tell you, Frida, 20 years I've gone to that river, and I can that bit of river pretty well now, but I can tell there's a feeling comes over me about 10 minutes before I get a fish. I just can. There's something about the river speaking back to you, mm-hmm. the water, the atmosphere. You just get that sense. and it, You know, the river gives you its gifts, many and varied, in queer roads. And you'll hear that memory for a long, long time. It is. No, um, I can look, we're going to be speaking about Andrew Painton's book later on, but apart from the fishing trip, you did a thing about, every time I speak to you on the phone, or like, you finish off by saying, right, I'm a wah back to my report, I'm a wah back to Japan. On the other day you said, I'm a wah back to the Okabonga Delta. And I look, oh, sit, sit <laughs> I tell you, I, I said yeah, to you, I was going... I was going back to the Okavanga Delta. Aye, but listen, fit an earthy up there. Are you pioneering some sort of space travel like Richard Branson or something? I was writing a think piece about the importance of global wetlands, Ken. Where they're found, their status, their value, their importance in our daily lives for the provision of fresh water and the reduction of uh, climate change because these are fantastic areas for holding carbon the opportunities that they present and the practicalities of maybe creating a new landscape for a client. 
Mm. And I was using this report as a model for doing it. But that, that's a story for another day. But another I, got to, I, I got to go all around the world and visit places, sitting in my study, that I'd visited over the last 30 years and a lot more for by. And if it did the end thing, it just made me realise that I want to be free because I've got a lot more damage to do yet. I'm, <laughs> no, I'm not going to be stuck in the study for the next 30 years, no matter what politicians yes. tell me. Here's to the Okavango Delta. <laughs> Aye, the Okavango Delta. Aye, here you are then. Okay, this is a great track for an equally great new album for Brian O'Hara and Fiona McKenzie. It's a CD called Cardius. The track is The Water. Water. 
from Brian O'Hara and Fiona McKenzie for their new CD, Cardius. What a cracking track it is. It's a great album. Now, earlier on, I had the pleasure of being escorted through the paths in the pine woods of Mar Lodge, the 30,000 hectare estate that lies west of the village of Bremar in Aberdeenshire, by author and ecologist Andrew Painton. Now, Andrew has just published his book, Cad, Regeneration, The Rescue on Wild Land. It's a fascinating book, full of stories about birdies and beasties, flora and fauna, and stories about folk that lived, played and worked on the estate over the centuries. The book also tackles how the estate has managed to balance the, the sport and shooting side with the environmental regeneration side. Now, that's near an easy subject, as I can testify to him to report on that very subject over the years. So, I join Andrew again for the second half of my visit to Mar Lodge, just turning the corner of the path, looking down to Bremar Castle in the far distance. The National Trust of Scotland has been reducing the deer herd at Mar Lodge. It's, we, we still have a substantial deer population here. We have over 1,500. But we also now have regenerating pines. And that is the crux of the management uh, ethos that goes how, on. How at many, Lodge. roughly, Andy? So it has major benefits for, for biodiversity, carbon capture, and it's a lot cheaper than planting all the trees ourselves. I'd say we're somewhere in the low millions. That's good. That's good. I'm just watching. There's a, um, I don't know if it's deer across there, across the river, but there's something moving. Yeah. Herd of red deer. We passed a herd on the way up we anyway. Was, a yeah. Yes, there's a herd of red deer over there. Uh, hinds. It's been a long winter for the hinds. Mm. So they, they're still coming down to the low ground to feed. Yeah. Um, so they're down here on the Coit Flats, enjoying the new grass and uh, feeding up their young oh, calves. Oh, I bet. Can we put them over a little bit further up so we can see what's around the corner? Can't get over just how lush everything feels after the, the weeks of rain, of course. It's all greening up. It's, it's just in the last two weeks. These birches are about three weeks late with putting their leaves on this year. Lordy Lord. And you said that you were looking at the, the birds of prey. Yeah, so a big part of my job's um, monitoring birds of prey on the estate. So we, we, we have a lot of different species here. And we're, we're very proud of that. Uh, this morning I was out looking at merlins. And one of, the nests, one of the nests I looked at this morning was doing very well, thank you very much. But unfortunately another one had failed and... Um, that's basically simply because it was a very cold winter and it lasted until about 10 days ago. I mean, one thing I should say is we're, we're not all about the trees here, of course. You know, mm. we have these, very lucky to have these tracks of Caledonian pinewoods, but we also have the open moors, which, which have their own assemblage of creatures, which are, you know, hugely important for Scotland's biodiversity. Uh, we have the bogs, which are a major, a major part of our attempts to tackle climate change and Highland Sport has a has a big part to play in in the management of those as well going forwards. Refer to the, the people again I, I'm, I'm just thinking um, I'm sure it was your book I read it that uh, Mary Queen of Scots hunted here. That's a <laughs> hunted wolves here. Hunted wolves. Hunted wolves here. There's some brilliant references to Mary Queen of Scots and her hunting of uh, the Mar and Athelwoods and the 2000 Highlanders she had potential driving, pushing all the deer into a big herd 
in which she killed 360 in a day, not by herself, I suppose, but uh, the, the whole group of them, before going back to feast with the Duke of Athol just over the hill, over, over Glen Tilt. tales. And was there an, an episode with Lord Byron as well? Yeah, but, uh, well, apparently Byron fell into, well, very close to uh, falling into the Lenardee, which is which is quite the waterfall to fall into. <laughs> from, what I, from what I read, it was his... Um, servant managed to pull him out in the nick of time so he but of course byron was was very fond of this area and wrote wrote a lot of poetry about the area and was and was deeply inspired by it as a lot of the romantic poets were i mean the highlands have a have a very interesting place in scottish and british history and and the way we perceive the landscapes around us and the romantics have a big the romantic poets have a, a big role to play in that for better and worse i suppose i'm thinking of the of course, Dark Loch Nagar from Lord Byron. England, thy beauties are tame and domestic for one who has roved over the mountains afar. Well, why do you think I live up here? Exactly. I'm exactly the same. Oh, so, just in a little weasel. You see that? <laughs> oh, yeah, I saw it. Oh, it's great. Oh, you don't see them very often up here. No. No, you see, there's big debates. Um, maybe going off in a wee tributary here, Andy, but... Uh, whether it was a mouse weasel or a big weasel. Was it a wee weasel? If it was, it was a footret in Scots. Is that right? Yeah, a mouse weasel is the footret. So, looking down the moor, looking down across the trees, we're looking at Braemar Castle. It's its its own very interesting part. I'm just picking it out with my binoculars Yeah, just right in the middle there. And its own interesting story as well. I mean, that's a classic example of Braemar and its... um, community coming together yeah. to uh, respect their local heritage. The, the castle's run by... Volunteers. By volunteers yeah. and owned by the community trust. Yeah, very well. The book celebrates... I'm reading from the book again here, Andy. Uh, 25 years of Mar Lodge being under the protection of the National Trust for Scotland. A complicated, decidedly imperfect organisation but one whose guiding aim is the protection of Scotland's heritage for the benefit of its people. Does Mar Lodge show us a hope that the future still exists? Yeah, absolutely. I like to think so. I mean, I, I came here in 2016, so I, I've not been here that long. But the amount of change I've seen in the last five years has been absolutely monumental. Um, we keep finding new species every year. We're, the estate's sequestering more and more carbon every year. It's, it's providing an increasingly good reserve for a space for wildlife to live alongside people. And it's also, I think this is the really important thing, it's, I would consider Mar Lodge to be a, a beacon of hope. I would hope it was that anyway, mm-hmm. for, for other um, areas for for other places from local nature reserves to people's gardens a a way of showing that we can do things differently and and if we come together in a spirit of compromise collaboration you know we we can achieve very interesting things so i i think there is I i think it is showing us that there is hope for the future absolutely
and there is hope. There you are now, there is hope that mere could we want. Set a great deal we had. It's seen in the bonniest, most interesting estates in Scotland. History, ecology and the environmental future are rolled into a area. Thank you to Andrew Painting for his company and wisdom and to the National Trust for Scotland for their support. And Andrew's book, Regeneration, The Rescue of a Wild Land, is published by Berlin. That's a really lovely book. Dave, this is near a book to just put down every now and then. This is a book, once you start reading it, you, you cannot put it down because it's near a weighty book full of facts and figures. It's engaging. Oh, it is. It, it, it's a wee gem, and I hope, and in fact, I'm sure we will hear more for this young man going for it. We hear a new nature writer on the blocks, that's for certain. Mm-hmm. He's got a grand way with words. He melds personal observation with science and research. But he mixes that with practicalities of land management and he, politics. And, you know, the bit that shines through most for me is his enthusiastic love of the land. And, I mean, he sets Marlodge in context over mm-hmm. five, six hundred years in time. He uses a poetic voice. It's quite it's quite entrancing in places. Okay. So it's almost like stopping in a moor and listening to the warp. Mm-hmm. And yet he challenges you at times, I know. And, and even when he does, you want to read on. He makes you realise that if we work together and we didn't work just for our own individual interests or our own agendas, we can do so much more. He has an honesty in it. And that's, I admire, the, that's the word, honesty. That he has, he, he has a real honesty. And he's no fear to criticise, but equally, he's no fear to dream. And there's no wrong with dreaming. Because if you're going to move forward and do great things, it's not just because of what you do. You hit a dream and you hit a believe. It, it, it makes that belief in things being better for everybody. It's possible. It shows you how the model works. Can I just come in there, Dave? Because uh, just to mention that Finn, Lord Finn, Finn Nixon, is going to be going back and forth to Mar Lodge and the company, uh, Andrew Painton, looking at different facets of the season, kind of like a summer watch series, and uh, it's going to be a classic series as well. It couldn't be in a better place. Now, I'll let you into a wee secret. When I first started broadcasting in radio, long before I met you, <gasps> I, I, I went to Mar Lodge with a man for the BBC called Grant Sonics, <laughs> and I went there and recorded a programme about watching Eagles. Well, I was uh, reminded by Andrew that the slugging glens near that far away. And I did a lovely wee programme with Archie Gailey, Gamekeeper, and uh, we called it from Glen to Glen. And I remember sitting in the heather, lying in the heather with Archie, watching this eagle swooping down into the heather. And he said, thou, said, there's a fox there. I just, I can hear his voice. He said, you see that eagle swooping down in there? He said, there's a fox there, because eagles didn't like foxes. And it's just a fabulous area to see all that. But when you're in the company of somebody like Archie as well, it just it makes the whole place come alive. You think I mean? It's just like that wee bit when you were walking along a path and the weasel come out just to remind you that it's his home, not yours. <laughs> Richt, no, music. This is a track for you, Blazing Fiddles, for their album, North. This is Pat the Bungie.
Cafe Blazing Fiddles. That was a track called Pat the Budgie. I'm not sure if that was the Budgie's name or it was somebody telling somebody to Pat the Budgie. It's <laughs> <laughs> a CD called North, Will Recommended. And our new student is Will Recommended. T. Sen Nixon. You've had your focus. Utnabuta's Wheel. We're being very environmental in this episode. And your focus has been on the River D Trust now. You've been speaking to the chair of the Trust, Sandy Bremer. Just the background and mission of the Trust then first. Well, the River D Trust is mainly focused on understanding what's happening in the River D, which is a 80 mile long river in Aberdeenshire. And it's trying to understand why there's been a, a huge decline in fish in the river while educating folk local folk about it and really making their voice heard in the local area. Mm-hmm. So when was it set up? It was set up back in 1998. Oh. So it's been gone for a wee while. Aye. But one of the, the key figures that Sandy presented to me was he was saying that usually smolts who are young salmon for the River Dee gone out into the North Sea in the Atlantic to do most of their feeding and growing. And 60 years sign about 40% of those smolts would have come back to the River Dee as adults. And he was saying that new, that figure is hovering around 2 to 3%. So I just showed you the huge decline in salmon returned to the River Dee, and it's a real cause for concern for the Trust. Okay, fits causing the decline then? Well, Sandy pointed out a, a few factors, really. I think one of the main ones is the warming of the seas, obviously mm-hmm. an issue caused by climate change. The ivers are a change in predators, also likely a, a knock-on effect from climate change. But also the increase in size of salmon farms on the west coast of Scotland. And these farms produce a huge amount of parasites that really have a negative effect on the salmon population. So I suppose it's a huge job, but fits being done to help the situation. Well, on the River Dee itself, one of the issues they're having is they've got a severe lack of tree cover in the upper tributaries and particularly in the upper catchment area of the river. So they're on a mission to plant a million trees by 2035. And that is to provide shade because the river itself is warm in its wheel, just like Mm -hmm. the seas. And smaller fish are particularly vulnerable to thermal stress. So they need these areas of shade beside the river banks to just cool down the temperature a wee bit. That's great. But uh, I suppose like anything else, funding is, is obviously important for all this. Fit of the Dean about that. That's right. Well, they've been having fundraising events. One of the, the biggies that they had recently was uh, D24, Fish D24. And that was a new 24-hour fishing event, which was held up and down the River D. It involved 27 anglers <laughs> who fish for three hours at a time along mm-hmm. different sections of the D, along the D beats. And that raised just over £16,000. OK, if folk want to care more about the, the River D Trust, how do they find them? Well, they can visit them at their website, which is www.riverd.org.uk, or they can drop them an email if they've got any queries or questions mm-hmm. at info at riverd.org. Thank you, Finn. And a big thank you to Sandy Bremner for his help and his information uh, for eyes work and continued enthusiasm. Good to hear from you, Sandy. And Dave, as a keen fisherman, you've no doubt listening with interest there about the work that Sandy and his team are doing up on the River Dee in Aberdeenshire. 
And uh, you've been speaking about some books that you would recommend as well. I I recommended to our books to, to Young Finn, written Aye. by Derek Mills. Derek Mills is a Tweed commissioner, a biologist, a fisheries expert, a salmon fisherman himself, an author. He wrote a book a number of years ago called The Salmon Rivers of Scotland, along with a guy called Neil Grazer. It was published in 1987. And to me, even today, it remains the most authoritative and comprehensive account of Scotland's salmon rivers, really for the Outer Hebrides, down, you know, to the southwest of Scotland. And I think in time, it will be seen as a benchmark, not just for them physically and geographically, but how they've changed socially and economically since that time how our relationship with them has changed. And you hear that in the conversation there that you were having with Finn. Now, Derek also wrote another book more recently called Saving Scotland Salmon. It was published in 2009, and it looks at the bigger social, political, and ecological factors that are impacting on the Atlantic salmon. And it talks about industrial fishing, legislation, pollution, salmon farming, and the Mm -hmm. work of the Atlantic Salmon Trust. And NASCO, the North Atlantic Salmon Conservation Organization. There's a lot going on to try and understand this complicated situation. Aye. And uh, the other thing I suppose we should mention is the importance of the burns that you brought up there. We sometimes forget that the rivers are made of the wee burns a lot. It comes through the spring, of course, up in the mountains, but the wee burns oh, are aye. just as important. And we forget how important they are. You know, we've got Problems with the weeborns being polluted, problems of folk building too near them, problems with trying to alter their course. I think it's maybe just part of the course that we need to try and value the weeborns as well as the rivers. Well, just mind that when you turn the tap on, that water come down as rain, it come down a wee burn and flowed all the way down to the mm. river and back to the sea Absolutely. and back up again and back down. It's a big uh, cycle. Then he mess with it. Okay, here's to the weeborns. Here's to the okay. weeborns. Here's the wee burns. Long live the wee burns. With that, we have arrived at the end of the programme. On behalf of the team, Richie Werner, aye. are you there? Aye, aye. Say cheerio. Say cheerio. Oh, cheerio. Cheerio. <laughs> See you next time. Dave, Dave Mitchell, say cheerio. Say cheerio, Dave Mitchell. Bye. Bye. Finn Nixon, say cheerio. Bye, new. Okay. We finished with a new CD for Ian Green at Green Tax for the CD just reproduced to celebrate the 35th anniversary. Music and Songs of Scotland. This is a track from that iconic album. Ali Bain and Phil Cunningham with Donald McLeod's Farewell to Oban, The Sands of Burness and The Miller's Reel. Take your partners for a Boston two-step. Amy Freedom Morrison. Bye the news.